be in the book of Ecclesiastes tonight, uh, right before Song of Solomon, really right before Isaiah, um, after Proverbs of Psalm, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, uh, and we'll be in the last chapter, chapter 12 of Ecclesiastes. I'm so glad we have the Word of God. Uh, we don't have to guess, we don't have to uh, figure out what this world's okay with, because you haven't figured this out yet. This world is okay with one thing today, and it's okay with something something totally different tomorrow. Uh, so if we, uh, I tell you what, we can't keep up with it. We can't keep up with man's changing opinion. We can't keep up with even ourselves, what we think is okay and not okay. But I'm glad that we're rooted and grounded in the Word of God. I'm glad it doesn't change. It's perfect. Uh, and it can lead us every day of our life, and in fact, it can lead us after this life as well, and I'm thankful for that. But the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 12, we're going to look at verse 8 through the end. Uh, it says this in verse 8, uh, chapter 12, Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher, all is vanity. And moreover, because the preacher was wise, he still taught the people knowledge, yea, he gave good heed and sought out and set in order many proverbs. The preacher sought to find out acceptable words, and that which was written was upright, even the words of truth. The words of the wise are as goads and as nails fastened by the masters of assemblies, which are given from one shepherd. And further by these, my son, be admonished of making many books, there is no end, and much study is a weariness of the flesh. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment, and every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Lord, we thank you for your word tonight. Lord, I pray uh, that you'd help us. Lord, help us to, to listen, Lord, and help your word uh, to really sink in into our hearts. And Lord, I pray that you'd help me to preach. Lord, fill me with the unction of the Holy Spirit, but also help us to listen and to take heed. And Lord, if there's anything that you are directing us to do tonight, Lord, I pray that we would do it. Push away the excuses, Lord. Ignore the distractions, and Lord, just focus on you. Lord, we thank you for all things, and in Jesus' name we pray, and amen. Amen. So, so Ecclesiastes, this book, was written by King Solomon. That is King David's son. Uh, and King Solomon, uh, the word uh, in this book, the word vanity, appears 37 times. It's a key word uh, of this book. And what it means is it means empty, it means temporary, and it means unsatisfactory. So uh, every time he says vanity, he's saying, talking about something that's not going to fill you up. It's just temporary and it's empty. There's nothing really to that. And now Solomon is writing this near the end of his life. He's been a king. Uh, he's looking over his life. He's looking at the results of what he's done and, and trying to figure out. Uh, he spent a lifetime uh, trying to find satisfaction, trying to find contentment, uh, basically trying everything under the sun. And you'll see that mentioned multiple times in the book as well. He tries everything. In fact, I'll give you some examples. In chapter 2, he explained that he tried uh, mirth, uh, which really is like saying pleasure. He tried every different way of satisfying his own pleasures, his desires. Later on, he tries alcohol. Then he tries building projects. He builds all kinds of great things and, and big projects. Then he starts gathering great possessions, silver, gold, uh, everything else. And th this is just chapter 2. 
But chapter 2, verse 10 says this, And whatsoever mine eyes desired, I kept not from them. I withheld not my heart from any joy, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor, and this was my portion of all my labor. Then I looked on all that the works of my hands had wrought, and on the labor that I had labored to do, and behold, all was vanity and vexation of the Spirit, and there was no profit under the sun. He tells us that he spent that whole his whole life chasing after every desire, everything that looked good, everything that felt good. He decided he was going to do that to try to find satisfaction. And every road led to the same place. Remember, he's near the end of his life. He's tried all of these things, and he says it's all leading to vanity. It's empty. It's unsatisfying. It's temporary. He was happy for a little bit, and then that happiness faded away, and he just kept trying and trying. He was constantly left empty. And what, what would he do when he realized one thing wouldn't satisfy him? He just turned to the next thing. And isn't that what we see around us? We see people, people chasing after uh, you know, some satisfaction, trying to find meaning in life, uh, trying to find happiness, and they will go from one thing, and when that lets them down, they'll turn to another thing, they'll go to a hobby, and when that hobby doesn't work out, then they'll maybe they'll try a relationship, and when the relationship doesn't work out, they'll try career, and then they'll go back to sports, and then they'll just bounce all around uh, all their life, and then we'll end up with the same thing. If they, if they truly looked at their life like Solomon did, they will say it was vanity. It was empty. There's nothing to it anymore. I have nothing to show for it. Even though, like with the building projects, he actually had things he that he built. There were things that were done. But he tried it all. And by the time he writes it, he's an old man. He's looking back. When he died, Solomon was 60 years old. He had been reigning as a king for 40 years. He started as a king when he was 20, died at 60. You do the math, I'm pretty sure it's 40 years. Uh, but he built the temple. He dedicated it. He built a palace for himself. And he was a good king until we get to 1 Kings 11.4. For it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart after other gods. And his heart was not perfect or complete with the Lord his God, as, his, as was the heart of David his father. And you know the Lord warned him that this would happen. The Lord warned every yeah. king that it would happen. He warned the nation in the book of Judges. He warned them in the law. He warned the kings. He warned everybody that if you would obey me, if you would, uh, if you would do my will, if you'd follow my commandments, I'll bless you. That's what the Lord said to these kings. And that he specifically for kings told them not to multiply wives, not marry women from other nations, not do these things, but he refused yeah, it. Amen. Solomon had the wisdom. Yeah. It was, he, he wasn't, wisdom. He wasn't ignorantly doing yeah. this. He wasn't doing it because he didn't understand. He, he, God had given him the wisdom, but he refused to heed the wisdom. He refused to heed what God said, and he accepted the results. He couldn't claim ignorance, so now again, he's looking back on his life, and over and over again, remember 37 times, he's saying it's vanity, it's yeah. vain, it's empty. 
So then you look at verse 8 in our passage when he says it again, Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher, all is vanity. And you would think that if you read that, that life would just never have any meaning, right? And that's what people will say. They'll read this book of the Bible. They'll take bits and pieces out of it and say, you know what? No matter what you do, your life's going to be vain. So just enjoy things temporarily. Have fun today. You know, party while the sun's up. You know, while there's life in your breath and do those things you want to do. But that's not what he's saying because he goes on in verse 9. He says this, And moreover, because the preacher was wise, he still taught the people knowledge. Yea, he gave good heed and sought out and set in order many proverbs. Yes. So it says he still taught the people knowledge. And first, uh, first Kings four thirty two tells us Solomon spoke three thousand proverbs. We have yeah, we have a handful in our Bible, but we don't have anywhere near all of them. He wrote a thousand and five songs. And it was all because of the wisdom that God gave him after he asked for it. But why is this wise man saying all is vanity now? Why is he saying that? Why? Because he spent the last decades of his life chasing vanity. And here's the problem. It's because he didn't listen to his own teaching. Yeah. That's what verse 9 is saying. The preacher was wise. The teacher, he knew he had the wisdom from God. He couldn't say that I was ignorant. And he couldn't say that I didn't understand. God had given him the wisdom, had showed him what to do. He was teaching others with the wisdom on how to live. But he wasn't doing it himself. Yeah. That was the problem. And as he's looking back, he's saying, look, I, I didn't heed the things that I taught. I warned others of the vanity of pleasures and riches and, and uh, chasing after lust and living life without concern for the Lord. But all it became was a lesson for others, right? Just a, just a, a something to teach. But it wasn't a truth that really led his life. Yeah. And I think that's a danger that we could all fall into. You're teaching, you're, you're, you know, definitely if you're a preacher, but also if you're a Sunday school teacher, if you're going to teach BBS, but here, even if you're a parent or a grandparent and you're teaching uh, these children, grandchildren, the truth about God, uh, it's one thing. Yes, that's great that we're teaching the truth. We've got to back it up. Otherwise, we'll end up like Solomon. We'll end up the same way that he was. That's the danger of not following God's word after teaching it. He wrote thousands of proverbs, but he didn't apply them to his life. That's the sad thing. Verse 11, the words of the wise are as goads and as nails fastened by the master of assemblies, which are given from one shepherd. I think when he's talking about one shepherd, he's talking about the chief shepherd, the good shepherd, yeah. Jesus Christ, the Lord. That's what he's talking about in his word. And what he's saying is that goad or that, uh, whether it's a stick with a nail in it or something used to poke that animal. When that animal was starting to veer to one side or veer to the other, that's they right. would use that goad to get the animal back on track, yeah. back on the path. And that's what he's yeah. saying. We've got words from the good yeah. shepherd. We've got a word from God. One word from him, from one shepherd, one Jesus. We've got it. And it is used. What's it used for? When we start veering off one way or another, nice. this word should bring us right back. Right back where God wants us to be. Yes. Right yes. back, and, and that's what it's built for. Yes. Psalm 119, 105, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. 
Psalms 37, 23, and 24. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, yes. and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, and I'm telling you that happens, right? Though we get off the track, though we get off the path, he shall not uh, be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with yes. his hand. Yes, praise God. It's that code. It's that uh, getting us back into the way. But then the question is, is that really happening in your life? Yeah. See, you'll hear me challenging us to get into our Bibles every day. Hide it in our heart. Study it. But the question is this. How many times in our Bible study do we hit something that's like a goad? How many times do we read something and that Holy Spirit convicts and we have to stop? And I, I, I you know, I'm the same way. I, if I'm reading a certain passage, I want to get all the way through it. But there are times when God stops me and says, you know what? You can finish reading the chapter later. You can finish reading the passage later. We need to deal with this right now. How often is that happening? If that's not happening, you are in danger of going the same way Solomon did. Knowing what the word says, hitting things that are affecting, that should be steering your life back to where it needs to be, but just skipping right over it, going yes. to the next part. That's what he did. He could teach it, but he couldn't live it. I don't want to be there. I don't want to fill my head with it. I don't want to memorize it and everything else, but and not let it apply to my life. Are you putting down the book? going to prayer, acknowledging your shortcomings, acknowledging that the Bible's pointing something out, and then asking for the Lord to help you to fix it. If the Bible is never redirecting your life, either number one, you're perfect, right? Yeah. Or you're not letting it. Yeah. That's it. Right. Filling your head. True. But not guiding your steps. Verse 12, and further by these, my son, be admonished. Of making many books, there is no end. And much study is a weariness of the flesh. I'm telling you what, uh, in this room, I can I can attest to this. I, 12 years of college, I can tell you, there's a whole lot of books. There's a whole lot of things to learn. There's a whole lot of, and they are making new and new, more and more books. They're, uh, they're scanning older ones so you can get to them uh, in an instant. Knowledge is increasing every day, over and over again. And what's the Bible saying? There is no end to it. We can say amen. They're writing books faster than you and I can read them by far. And, and much study is weariness. And what he's saying is not that we should never study, not that we should never read or anything else, but I'm telling you what, this world that we live in, our society is in a never-ending quest for knowledge. That is not the Bible, right? Never-ending. They're trying to figure out everything that they can learn, but Solomon's already going to tell them. It's vanity. It's vanity. And here's the other thing. There's a lot of books written by Christians, but we got to be careful. Yeah, sure. We got to be careful. Just because it says it's a Christian author doesn't always mean it's going to line up with the Bible. Amen. We got to be careful. I, I, I've told some different ones that and it's not a popular opinion. I said, you know, a lot of times we've got to put those books down and get the book out. Amen. Amen. 
I, there are a lot of good books out there. Maybe someday I'll write one myself. Who knows? I don't know if it'll be good or not. But here's the thing. That's never a substitute for the Bible. That's right. 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 Everything we read has to be run through this Bible. Everything we If it's a TV show about the Bible, a movie, uh, anything, this is the authority. This yeah. is the truth right yeah. here. Yeah. Amen. Yes. Yeah. Amen. They're just a never-ending pursuit. And I think I told you guys the other day, it used to be when you wanted to uh, publish a book, you'd spend all the time, you'd write it, you'd do all that. Then you had to convince a publisher to go along with you and put the money out so they could print all these books. Or maybe you would pay to have all the books printed, but it wasn't cheap. And then you'd try to sell them. Today, it's not like that. You can write a book... You can open up Microsoft Word or something like that in the computer. You can write the entire book, and very easily and very cheaply, you can load it onto Amazon, and someone can buy it. Yeah. Just like that. You don't need some big investment. You don't need to convince anybody. I'm here to tell you there's a lot out there that's garbage. Yes. That says it's true. It's garbage. But not just books. We've talked about this the other day. YouTube and everything else. There's videos that are full of junk. And people that are, uh, they look like preachers, they look like pastors and everything else. They got the little white collar or whatever they're wearing. Uh, and I'm here to tell you, you can't listen to every single one. No. They'll tell you what you want to hear. But I'd rather hear what God's word says. Amen. Because telling me what I want to hear is not going to help me. It's going to lead me down the same path. I'm going. This world's never in the pursuit of knowledge. Yet, what are we seeing? What is the result of this world going after as much knowledge as they can? All I see, and maybe, maybe I'm the only one seeing this, but all I see is more hatred, more murder, more killing, right? More, more theft. Uh, my career is based on crime. If crime quit, I wouldn't have a job. I'm busier than ever each and every day. It's increasing. It's not decreasing. This world's knowledge is not helping. We got to pick up the book, make sure we understand it, and then when we understand it, we apply it to our lives. The great part is if you don't understand, the Holy Spirit will help you and you can talk to the author and ask him questions. And he'll help you. He doesn't want this to be a mystery, he'll help you. And let it direct our lives. 13. This is, the, this is the, one of the key verses of the entire book. He gets all the way down through this book, 12 chapters, to get to this verse 13. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Yeah, right. Solomon missed his chance. He ran out of life. He got to the end. He realized it was vain. It was empty, yeah. right? Everything he did was vain. That's what he's saying. Everything that he was given such a blessing, he was given all those years, he was given all that wisdom, and he wasted it. But he's making sure that other people don't follow down the same path. He says, fear God. Yes. Don't try the same experiment with your life. That's what he's saying. I've proved what happens when you chase pleasures, when you chase after all these things. He was chasing women, chasing career, chasing building projects and everything else. And he says, I missed the key. Fear God and keep his 
commandments. You know, at the beginning of his chapter, he appeals to the younger people that have time to really, a lot of time to turn this around. In verse 1 of this chapter, what's he say? Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. You do that before you turn down this road of chasing after your own desires. You do it now because the quicker you turn, the easier it will be. It's not easy, but it's easier than if you wait another 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. Because what will happen is you'll be even deeper into it. And then the devil, what will he say? You've wasted all this time. You've gone against the Lord. He'll never forgive you. He'll never take you back. And you'll believe it more and more, even though it's a lie and a deception. He loves you today. And Solomon's saying, before it's too late, turn it around. Turn it around. He warned his sons about bad women. And then he married all them women, you know. He didn't set them a good example. I mean... What were they supposed to listen? Dad, you married all these women that have got all kind of religions and everything. That's the main thing. They turned him from God. They turned him from God. Here's his life. Anything outside of pleasing the Lord and pursuing his will is vanity of vanities. It's empty. It's temporary. It's unsatisfying. But you know about the great thing? Is anything done for the Lord is the opposite. Amen. Amen? Amen. Right? Where uh, where uh, it's vanity uh, for pursuing these things outside of the Lord. Uh, uh, when you are doing things for the Lord, it makes a difference. When we walk by faith, when we do God's will, it makes a difference. It plants seeds. And what does the Lord say? Some 30-fold, some 100-fold. I mean, that's what God does. And you, every once in a while, we get to see the results of what we have done for the Lord. If we got to see all the results, we get big-headed. Uh, but I'm telling you, every once in a while, he lets us see what happens. And we're like, I don't know about you. I've said uh, multiple times over my life, my goodness, I can't believe he was able to do that with my life. Me. Amen. And all the times I've, I've failed him. And all the times I've come short. And all the times that I didn't have what I think I needed. And I just trusted God. I was afraid but I said, Lord, I'm just going to do what you've told me to do. And then every once in a while he lets me see the results and I, I'm thinking, my wow. goodness, how did that happen? That's wow. God. Amen. It's wow. not in vain. No now the way. devil's going to try to convince yeah, you is. that serving the Lord is in vain, but remember he is a liar. Father, So it's not in vain. And guess what? Anything we do for the Lord is never temporary. It's eternal. Amen. 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 If you lead somebody to the Lord, that is not just a one-time temporary thing. That makes a difference for an eternity. Amen. And even if it's not leading somebody to the Lord, your faithfulness might, or your testimony, or just the way you live for the Lord might cause someone to look at you and say, you know what? You may not even know. There are people sometimes uh, uh, in the sanctuary with us together. We don't know what they're going through. They may be on the verge of quitting. They may be on the verge of giving up. They may even be on the verge of taking their own life, but then something happens. They look over there and see 
someone else that's gone through trouble that has made it through. God took care of them. They could see the answered prayers. They could see the testimony. And they say, you know what? I don't understand it. It doesn't feel good. But I'm just going to go another step and keep going. Because if Mel could make it, if Preston, if Jimmy could make it, maybe I could make it and keep going. And you will never know that. But that could make an eternal difference in someone's life. I'm telling you what, there are people today, uh, some of them I forgot their names. They definitely don't know who I am, but they did something in my life that made a change. I said, you know what, you're right. I'm tired of going this direction. I'm going to start going in that direction. They'll never know that this side of heaven. But I'm telling you what, it's made an eternal result. Amen. Amen. That's what it's done. And that's how God works. We don't understand it. I, I'm telling you, our life, uh, again, I don't want to get big-headed, but I don't think we even understand a fraction of what God does with a Christian that's faithful. Yeah. We don't see it. It's true. But he's making a difference. So not a, it's not vain. It's not empty. It's not temporary. And it's definitely satisfying. Amen? Yeah. These things are unsatisfying, Right? Remember all those things he chased after? It felt good for a while. Uh, it was fun for a while. It, it made me have purpose for a while, and then it faded away, and they had to trade it for something else. I'm here to tell you, 30 years into being a Christian, I'm still satisfied with Jesus Christ. In fact, I'm more satisfied with him today than I was yesterday. I trust him more today than I did before. Amen? Why? Because he's proven himself over and over again. He's a good God. And then here's the key right here, verse 14. Why do we fear God and keep his commandments? Verse 14, for God shall bring every work into judgment. Yes, he will. With every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Yes. We will all stand before Jesus Christ. This world refuses to believe us. They refuse. Right? We evolved. So there is no God. When we die, that's it. We just go into the ground and bugs eat us up and then that's it. Right? That's what this world says. That's I heard a scientist, a big old scientist the other day say, when you die, that's it. Nothing else happens. And, it, and, it, and it's funny because he's a scientist. Yeah. And, uh, supposedly, I took a lot of science classes over the years. Supposedly, you're supposed to run experiments and test theories. And nobody has tested any theory of what happens after you die that's in this life. Only one has come back from the dead. That's Jesus Christ. And he told us there is something after this life. And one of the things is standing before him. And I'm here to tell you. We're going to stand in judgment. Number one, he's got two judgments. One for the sinner. Yes. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. If you've not come to Jesus Christ and asked him to forgive you of your sins, and you've not repented in that process, turned your life around after he's given you a new life, if you've not done that, you're not saved today. Your judgment will be because you're not saved and you rejected him. And you may try to say, Jesus is the one that told us this. Remember, he's been there. He, he knows what's after death. He said, many will say unto me, Lord, Lord, haven't we done these things in your name? Right? We did this in your name. We worked for you. 
We volunteered in VBS. We taught Sunday school. We did all these things. He'll say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. Yes, yes, we do. That's one judgment. I don't want to be in that one. Because after that's the lake of fire. That's it. But then for the Christian, for the saved, we are going to give an account. We're going to stand before Jesus and give an account. You know what? King Solomon one day is going to have to stand before Jesus and give an account. From the time he put his faith in the Lord. He didn't know Jesus' name, but he knew enough to put his faith in the Messiah. From that point to when he died. And he's already told us, I wasted it. Right? Oh, I built the temple. The first, the first seven, ten years were pretty good. Twelve, twenty, whatever. But then I messed it up. And went after vanity. And wasted it. We're going to have to give an account for the good or the bad. But here's the thing that I love about the Lord. It's the only reason he is warning us. The only reason he's putting it in the scripture. The only reason he is having us preach this tonight. Is because if you are hearing my voice. If you're alive. You've got a time to turn it around. That's what Solomon was warning. Especially the younger ones. Before you start down this road. He said, I've completed the experiment with my life. And let me remind you, he's the richest man that ever lived and ever will live. Smartest probably do. He could, he could afford every type of pleasure. The closest we have are those uh, some of those oil countries, those princes that, that just spend money ridiculous. They'll get a they'll get a one-of-a-kind multi-million dollar car and cover it with diamonds just because they're so ridiculously wealthy they don't know what to do with it. That's as close as we can come to King Solomon, and their wealth is nothing compared to his. He said, I tried it all, and it was all vanity. Don't go down that road. The devil wants you to go down the same road. But the Bible, you, I've said this before, I don't know who's, I heard it a long time ago, but you will not prove the Bible wrong. I don't care how, what title you have, I don't care how rich you are, I don't care how smart you think you are. God says, you go against me, you follow after lust, you're going to end up in a vain life. You get deep in sin, you rebel against God, you're going to pay the consequences, right? God's not deceived. He's not mocked. Whatever you sow, you're going to reap it later. But you can turn it around. But Solomon said after his whole life, all those proverbs, all those songs, all that wisdom that he didn't heed, he says, listen, don't you follow me. Fear God. And keep his commandments. Amen. Live for God. Don't live for yourself. Don't live for this world. No, amen. It's deception. It's lies and it leads to death. You're thinking, Mike, I don't know if I believe you. Okay. Well, let's do a test. Whatever pursuit you are running down right now, I want you to think about the people that have already run down that same road. Where did it lead? Yeah. Death. Every time. Most of these people, when they make it to the pinnacle where they think they want to be, what happens? We get up, we see the next morning, TMZ hits on the phone, right? Or something like that, or CNN, and says, hey, they found so-and-so dead in their hotel room. Yeah. 
That's what the devil wants for you and me. Every one of us. Dead, following after sin, in rebellion of God. Is that the life you want? No. Or do you want a life that means something? Eternal life. Well, you may not be a celebrity down here. You may not gain fame down here, but that's okay. I want Jesus to know who I am. Yes. And the only way he'll know that is with a personal relationship with him. And I want him to say, well done. He's not going to say, well done, thou good and famous servant. Well done, thou good and perfect servant. Well done, thou good and successful servant. Well done, thou good and faithful. Faithful. That's what it is. That's what it is. Amen. We're going to open up the altar in prayer tonight.